Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast. This is summer episode number two. And uh, I am Tim. I sound nothing like that. You you sort of sound. (laughs) And I don't know what I'm doing here, except I am introducing you and encouraging you to listen to this episode that I don't even know what the content's going to be about. So with that, what is this content going to be about? First, we're going to start with some business. Books and business. Oh, gosh. Tim, Let's I just want to like some books. <laughs> this oh is, yeah, that uh, part. Let's talk about some books. I I really enjoy other people doing what Charlie's job is, and then it's so different. It's fun to compare. But Tim, that was the home run of terrible. Un- it, it, no, it's 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 unique. It's unique, Tim. So uh, books and business. Okay. Okay. So for this week, uh, I'm going to talk about two two aspects of books and business. Number one. I've been busy the last couple of weeks. I've been teaching an all day class, so I haven't had a lot of time to read. And so I'm going to give you a reading tip and we'll see if Charlie likes it. I had to mow my lawn. I know it's summer. You have to do that. And so I have this junky $30 set of Bluetooth headphones that go in the ear. They're not noise canceling, but they function like earplugs and my mower's really loud. And so I always wear them and listen to stuff. And I look through my audible and I remember that I had bought a long time ago. The Black Star of Kingston, which is one of the S.D. Smith Green Ember mini novels. So last week, I put that up to 1.6 times speed. And if you're an audible listener or an audiobook listener, oftentimes the readers read too slowly. And you'll see that you can read a little faster. So I listened to it. I got almost all of it listened to during one mowing session. It was really quick. But I want to talk about this week. I really like the book. Tim, you mentioned you were reading it, I think, two or three weeks ago. And you mm-hmm. said you're going to scorch through it. And I'm really thankful. I bought it. I really enjoy the Green Ember series. What? So, okay, I just had a thought. And I don't want to yeah. take away. But so we just had an interview with a guy where we talked about the shaping of affections, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I've always approached the audiobook issue from like a, can you grasp the content? Like a, a rational education side. <laughs> like you're not getting the same thing out of the reading. Can listening to an audiobook however, shape your affections differently than actually reading it. So I think, I think it does, but I would Ah. say it's probably similar to when you sit down and listen to someone tell a story. And interestingly enough, I only have, I have two things I want to talk about the book and then I'll recommend it at about a seven on the thinklings goodness scale. But I think both you will see are affection shaping items. So this story is kind of, so he's written, I, I believe Black Star came out after his third Green Ember novel before the fourth. I might have that wrong. And in it, he's doing what Lewis does, where Lewis writes his first four of the Chronicles of Narnia, and then he writes one that goes back in time and sort of tells the myth, creation myth of Narnia. And so here, what Smith is doing is he's giving a historical story about a prominent figure from one of the first books that you never meet, you just hear about him. So it's really interesting. And I believe the first book opens with a snippet of this story, and then it jumps right in to the story. And so this book is the backstory. 
So I found it very interesting. There's two things I want to comment on it. So I don't want to spoil anything because this might give some things away. So I'll talk carefully. I think what I really like about Smith, and I remember this in the first Green Ember book, is that the way he tells the story, he promotes virtues that are biblical by showing their goodness. He just shows off their goodness. You see it and you're like, wow, that's good. And then the second thing is when there's a, um, a, a something that's a vice, he shows it in a way where you wince and you're like, ooh, that's not good. And sometimes what's so unique about Smith is that he shows a virtue that we largely don't maybe think of in our day-to-day living, or he'll show a vice that we've sort of accepted and not really thought about. So I got an example of one of those. Later in this short book, there's a character, I'm not going to describe him too much, but I will say that he's not the brightest rabbit. He's kind of absent-minded. He's always, he's got something in his pocket and he, he puts it in his pocket and then he's talking to this other character and he can't find it. And, oh, there it is. And then as he's talking, he's holding it in his hand and he realizes it's in his hand. He couldn't figure out why. So he puts it back in his pocket and he does this where you kind of like, not sure he's all there mentally, but the the character interacting with him treats him with dignity he doesn't make fun of him he doesn't roll his eyes he doesn't mock him for his lack of sophistication and he actually treats him very kindly and humbly and the other rabbits actually make a way for him to be able to contribute even in his like lower station and what i really thought was good about that was most of the time if someone does something odd we immediately start to mock or make fun of but the mm-hmm. character here was very humble and kind and and gracious and didn't even think about it just was being kind he did have some questions but he treated the other rabbit with dignity now i know we're rabbits are rabbits but i think there's a corollary that's being taught there about how human how people creating god's image teach treat other image bearers who have qualities about them that are unusual or in some cases lacking. So I just thought that's an example of why I like Smith's writing so much. So there was that one. And then the other element that I really liked about this book is there's a character who takes on a role. And what I'll say is he has no experience in the role he's taking on and he has no training in the role he's taking on. But a person who puts him into this role identifies he, he has the right kind of virtue and character to where he will be able to do this. And so it's kind of like, and this is going to be like a weird analogy, but it'll make sense in the end. The first Captain America movie that came out when Marvel was going through phase one, uh, the first Avenger, in the movie, and I'm sort of spoiling it, but who cares? It's Marvel. Captain America, Steve Rogers, this is wimpy kid, and there's this you know, they're trying to figure out who to give the super soldier drugs to. And there's all these soldiers who are like top level soldiers. And this one general guy wants to use one of them. But the scientist says, no, I need a guy who has better character qualities because this serum is going to enhance everything, not just his muscle and physique, but also his character. And so Steve Rogers gets picked because he has good character, even though he doesn't have experience and training and it ends up being the right choice. And there's sort of an an overall statement that virtue is more important than ability. And so there's something similar here that, that Smith is doing. I don't think he's doing it because of that, but it does show you that a person's abilities are not the only consideration in their life 
or their responsibility. And what he's what he did is he holds up his character, and I'm, I found myself saying, "Yeah, that's a really good choice." Whereas today, if you're going to get hired for a job, you better have a degree and a master's and 15 years of experience in the field. And so, what he was sort of doing was pointing out that there's a merit that you can have that's not in the field, but it's in your character. And it's hard for me. I mean, he's a Christian, and these are Christian worldview ideas that he's putting up there. And so, I think they're really good. But even if Someone else read this. I think they would see those same things and think virtuously and good about them, well about them. So I really liked it. So Black Star Kingston. Now, Tim, you just read this. Like this has got to be what three weeks ago for you, four weeks ago for you. Yeah, something like that. What did you What did you think of the book? You know, it's all kind of blurring together because it's the first in a three part series. Oh, and the, okay. The book that really resonated with my kids was the last one. Well, probably because it was the last one. Like the mini ones, like the last archer mm-hmm. and prince or the lander, whatever lander. Okay. Yeah. So Prince Lander and the Dragon War was the last one. It was just released okay. in March. And, uh, but the reading through all three of those books really inspired my children. You know, for some kids, it's really hard for them to imagine a rabbit being like an interesting kind of a book. And that's the way it was with my kids. I mean, my one son had read through all four of the main books. Um, but the rest of my kids were just like, eh, they just weren't catching the rabbit for, I mean, it's rabbits, Ugh. Yeah. but, uh, reading through those three books, uh, really inspired all of them. And even yesterday I was talking to them. My one son's on the second book, another one's on the third, another one had read through them all. So they're all kind of reading them. And, uh, and so if you're like, Hey, what might be a series that my kid, or maybe you bought even green ember and your kid's just not getting into it. The Black Star Kingston and uh, what's the second one? I forget the second one. The Last Archer. No, that's a different series. Oh, really? Yeah, there's two sub-series and that's a different sub-series. Oh, The Wreck and Rise of Whitson Mariner? That one. Is that it? Yep. Yep, that's it. So that's the second one. And then Prince Lander and the Dragon War is the third one. Uh, Those three really don't take you long to read. Just like Andy said, he listened to pretty much the whole book on 1.6 times speed. Uh, They're really quick reads. So you could read them to your kids and it really inspired my children. Uh, and then they began reading the other books uh, and, and those values are, are being articulated throughout all of those series. So anyway, yeah, good stuff. I like the way it doesn't, it's, it's different than someone saying, Hey, this is what it looks like to be virtuous. This is how you ought to behave. It's the difference between saying that or saying, let me tell you the story of this guy. And it's such a beautiful story that you kind of want that. I thought that was a good way to use example or testimony. So it's a philosophy of education. Yes. Yes. So instead of saying, Hey, don't uh, slander somebody or don't pick on that guy. Instead it, it articulates, Hey, you know what, what should you do when somebody has a Mm -hmm. weird habit? How should you treat that person? Mm -hmm. Uh, So instead of saying don't, it says do this, Mm -hmm. uh, which has great value. I think, I think attendant to that more than just a command to do is it's beautiful. It's good. You see it and you think that was good and you kind of want that. So yeah. Yes. So and the- Black Star Kingston, first of the tales of old Natalia, I give it a seven. It's short. It's weird to say seven on a short one, but I, I really liked it. So yeah, it's interesting. You guys are talking about um, like a character in a book. And so uh, I know we've talked about these before, but the Chronicles of Prydain, um, have, have yeah. either of you, have either of you interacted with these yet? No. So I 
No, okay. it's on my list of summer, but I'm sorry, no. friend. They looked really <laughs> interesting. I brought them into the bookstore. Somebody bought them all, so I've got to order them again. Yeah, I know. I, I, I think bought, I bought one of them. <laughs> I bought the set because I didn't have them physically. Um, and and I'll you order actually them again. and make sure you order all of them because I went in and I got four, and then the last one wasn't there, and I'm like surely tim wouldn't have ordered four books of a series and not the fifth and you did i had to order the other one um which i also ordered through the faith bookstore but so anyway thank you um in the so i i pretty much i try not to have my phone in bed because it just doesn't give a good night of sleep which is a hint to a book we're going to talk about later on in the summer about sleep left field book but uh if i have my phone there I'll have it plugged in and I'll be listening to an audiobook as I fall asleep. And I'm listening right now to the second of the Pradane books. Mm. And uh, Tarin, the main character, is like a young boy. There's another young boy and um, they are not getting along. And you, you've already kind of fallen in love with Tarin as the main character. And then there's this other guy and they're like kind of going back and forth and they're both making bad decisions. They're both kind of provoking the other and there's a point at which the other one does something to Tarin and previously Tarin has like shot right back and like fired right back and in this time he he doesn't say anything he doesn't accuse the other guy who was wrong he just says yep that was my fault and just lets it go like all the other guys come around the prince Gwydion is like who did this? Was this your fault? And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. It's my fault. And it wasn't his fault, but he just soft answer. Like, let's, let's put this to bed. And in that moment, you're like, oh yeah, like he did. He's better because he did the right thing. Oh. And it, can, it can even be competitive. But, uh, so what happens when I listen to audiobooks is, uh, I will like fall asleep and then not remember where I left off. Uh-huh. And so, yep. uh, like I listened to that scene probably like seven or eight times in a row. And it, mm. it's, it's, it's exactly what you're saying where um, you see through the characterization, the beauty of virtue. Yeah. And it, so then I think through like, okay, are there relationships that I have where someone is doing something wrong to you and you want to fire back? And what's, what's the virtuous thing to do? Like you, you so clearly learn that. And this is a book written, the main character is like 13 and I'm 30, you know, but it, guess, guess what it does really well. It teaches virtue. So we just, you know, again, we don't want to, don't, we don't want to neglect these silly little books about rabbits or maybe it's not rabbits, maybe it's hobbits. And, uh, you know, they, they actually do some pretty profound shaping of affections anyway. So that being said, let's, uh, take a moment to look into God's word. And I'm speaking at a couple of camps this summer. And one of the camps here in Iowa, their theme is the game of life. And uh, like it's a board game theme, which, you know, typically the themes at camps are like giants or like superheroes. And as like a nerdy guy who loves board games, I really love that a camp is finally like board games, you know, like it's not like your typical theme. And so it's like the game of life. And uh, so I'm, I'm speaking in the mornings, uh, at this junior high camp. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask a question from the book of first Peter. 
and I might broaden it out to second Peter, just say, what does Peter say about how to win the game of life? Like if life was a game, like here's the board game, what does Peter say about how to win? And just kind of attack it from, from that, you know, mindset. And there's a lot of little things that I, I want to go into. So that's what I'm going to try and do over the summer on our podcast is kind of preview or work through some of those same things. And so if we're in first Peter, uh, I'm just going to start reading in verse one. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes do you just kind of like skip over the greetings in the epistles? I think it's really easy to do that. And there's actually a lot of really unique theology in Peter's introduction here, his greeting. And there's actually one thing that comes up almost immediately that he's going to refer to again. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go down a few verses into chapter one and look at verse 17. And he says, and if you call on him as father, and he's speaking of God, the father, which he, he talked about God, the father in verse three, which we didn't read, but if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. And that, that word, that idea, exile, came up in verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so uh, I think the first idea that Paul is going, excuse me, not Paul, Peter, or in First Peter, it's not Paul. The first idea that Peter, maybe not the first idea, but one of the bigger themes in First Peter is that we don't live here. We are sojourners. We're exiles. We're aliens. Like, as a believer in Jesus Christ, this is not my home. It's not. I'm an exile. And just like, you know, I, I grew up in Iowa. If I, I, I've been out of the country a few times. Uh, I've gone to Canada a handful of times. I went over to Germany a few weeks ago. You want to feel like you're not at home go somewhere where you don't speak the language, okay? And I can remember walking around uh, these little villages or towns in Germany. And I, I took German in high school, so I'm somewhat conversant. But they start talking. There's no, I have no idea what's going on. Like they're, they're talking way too fast. You're like, man, this is not where I belong. This is not where I belong. And what Peter points out in the first chapter, first verses, is that because of God's election of us, his choosing of us for salvation, and that Jesus's resurrection has brought us to new life, a new faith, like we were born again as believers by believing in the gospel. Because of that, we don't belong here. And I really think the first way that you go about winning the game of life, as and I'm, I'm in the context of a Christian here, uh, so the first the first way of going about winning is to be a Christian, which we will talk about that at camp too. But as a believer, how do I win? How do I win this game? Well, you realize that your life isn't here. 
uh, you think about Colossians 3, when Christ, who is your life, appears. And where is Christ right now? He's not here. He's in heaven. Like our hope is not that we're going to live here forever and that my physical life here is going to be made perfect. The hope of the glory of God is that I will live eternally with Jesus and God the Father and the Spirit in heaven for, forever. Like this, this, you know, wherever you live, you know, Ankeny, Iowa in the middle of May, like this is not my home. Mm. You know, I will spend the majority of my life in the eternal state, and that will be in the presence of God in heaven. And that perspective should frame how I see everything in my physical life. You know, you hear people talk about having an eternal perspective, right? And I think that's what Peter is kind of getting to here as he uses that idea of being an exile, a sojourner. And so the, the first way that we go about winning the game of life is to realize that in this life here on earth, I'm an exile. I don't belong here. This isn't my home if I'm a Christian. And I think, you know, there's a lot of ways that that's relevant. The ways that we could apply that in a specifically modern context. I'm just going to, you know, kick the ball to the listener there and just say, hey, why don't you meditate on that? Take some time to think through how not being home in the physical world and knowing that my home is in heaven, how that might impact the decisions I make, the things I do over the summer, things like that. How how would that truth be practical for you? And I I think that's a a great thought from Peter there. And we'll, uh, we'll continue that throughout the summer, like little tidbits from Peter, but any thoughts you guys have on that before we close? I'm, I think I'm speaking at that same camp, and I'm not kidding. That was one of the passages I was thinking about walking through this summer, so I'm pretty <laughs> excited about it. But it's, it's a similar thought. Um, I had thought, you know, think about it. Um, in five billion years, what will I be doing? And I think that that scope of time is helpful to compare what this present life is like. And so I just appreciate the element of... Uh, It's not that this is worthless. It's that that puts a proper value or gives me a proper way to value what I should right now. And I think too many times we're just in the present moment. We're YOLO. We're, you know, the whole thing. So a great way to think this through about the decisions we make. And we we often talk about the ordering of affections, uh, the order amore, the order of my loves, that there's a certain order to the things that affect me. Like number one should be to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I should love other people. And then you throw everything else that you love in that stack. The problem is it's really hard to know what you love. It's not, you don't just wake up in the morning and have a clear understanding of the the ordering of your loves and how those shift that when I start to love something too much, I start idolatrizing something. It's not always easy to discern that. So a way you can think that through is think about decisions that you make, like physical, external decisions. And when you make that decision, you're choosing one thing over another thing. So let's say you wake up in the morning and your first choice is, do I go eat breakfast or do I go back to sleep for an hour? And each of those like are two decisions. So if you pick breakfast over sleep, you would then elevate that choice and put it on top of the other one. What you actually did in that moment was a reflection 
of your loves, what you thought was most important. So if you understand what's most important, well, where your life actually is, is not here, are there times where you make eternal decisions? You do something not because of what you're getting in the moment, but because you know it's something that's going to impact forever. Mm. Do, you, do you make a decision where you stack eternal over mm. temporal? Mm. And I think that's a good way to think it through. But anyway, we're, we're getting towards the end of our time. So uh, just close it up by saying, encourage you to jump into First Peter, review those verses, think about what it means to be an exile here on earth as a believer. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.